So we'll be doing Igris Moshe Yeridei Chilak Aleph Simon Kuf Mem Dalid. This is a tshuva from Rosh Chodesh Menachem Av Tafshin Tes Vav, fifty-seven fifteen. So we're in nineteen fifty-two, I guess. Um, it's written to uh, Rabbi Aaron Jacobs. Uh, Moshe has, so far as I can tell, four tshuva. I think written to Rabbi Jacobs all within these two years. He doesn't give him. Uh, any titles, so we don't know, uh, at least I don't know where Rabbi Jacobs is from. He seems to ask um, interesting, uh, straightforward questions. Um, this is a tshuva, though, uh, I think that is um, special in a couple of ways. The content is really beautiful. That's not so special in a Rav Moshe tshuva. Uh, the structure is a conventional sheer structure um, you know, with uh, with an opening question with some intermediate questions, which are then answered and then resolved to a uh, right resolved to a much bigger question, kind of a chiastic structure. But most of the shuvas are not usually written in that pure form, uh, so it's really a very beautiful shuva um, in that way. And uh, we'll try and present some of that to you, but it's definitely worth reading uh, on your own. Again, it's Yeredei Chelakal Simon Kuf Mem Dalit. It's a shuva that I have a particular liking for for two ways. Uh, one is that there's what I thought was a chiddush of mine, but not a, you know a chiddush that I thought was, of course, pshat, and that everyone else had um, had seen but not really stated. And Ramosha states it explicitly. So Baruch Shakivanti, um, and also it responds to a question that uh, my wife Deborah often asks me, and it responds to it in a way that I think um, at least it allows me to respond to that question in a, a way that I think will be very helpful. Okay, so let's. Um, we're going to start by presenting the question and the overall answer. We're not going to use the, the model of suspense, but then we'll try and go back and recreate the intellectual structure. Um, so the question, uh, Aster of Moshe, is as follows. There are um, three brothers. Uh, two of them are older and married and doing okay, and one of them is younger and not yet married. And they figure that in a, within the next couple of years, their younger brother will get um, will get married, and he's right. Who's he's currently learning in yeshiva, and then he's going to have to spend a lot more to support himself, and they want him to continue to learn for a while after his marriage. But they realize that the year, whenever he gets married, they're not going to have enough money to in their annual stucca budget, which is taken as a given, whatever their annual stucca budget is. Uh, they're not going to have enough money that year to support him for the next year in learning. But what they can do is they can start taking money out of their stuck of budget this year and saving it to support their brother whenever he gets married. The question they're asking is, but their brother doesn't have needs currently. Currently, the brother is a happy colonic. Can they take money out of this year's stuck of budget um, for the sake of somebody, uh, somebody whose need is coming in the future? Um, so right, we're not dealing with the question of how you prioritize what your second money goes to right now. Uh, the only axis is right. We're assuming that their money goes to whatever purpose it does. Maybe they have a separate money going to a separate fund just for support, or an amount going just to support Torah, or they've broken up their master in uh, specific ways. The question, as framed, is just about immediate needs versus long-term needs that don't exist yet. So Rav Moshe's answer is that yes, you can do this. When giving staka, you're not required to think about immediacy as opposed to long term. 
Now he says, but you know, I understand that there may be uh, there may be an issue that you may be worried that if you give the money now, that your brother will use it now, or will get married and spend it on the wedding, and he won't use it for learning. Um, so you're entitled to take precautions against that. But he says, um, if the money doesn't leave your um, your domain now, you won't fulfill the mitzvah of tzedakah this year. And he seems to think that it's a value to fulfill the mitzvah of tzedakah now rather than two years from now, for whatever reasons he may think uh, he thinks that's wise. And so Rav Moshe uh, invents the donor advice fund. What he says I think you should do um, is you should take the, especially if you don't trust your younger brother not to use the money um, for other purposes, take take the money and put it, uh, he says, in a bank in a designated fund so that it leaves you rishus, because that way you're mekayim staka. Right? Right. So the first really cool thing about this trivia is that I don't know when donor advice funds uh, come into being, but Moshe certainly has them in the um, you know, has invented them in the 1950s. I assume that banks had a way of uh, doing that as well, uh, although I'm not sure exactly what the mechanisms were to control uh, what you could give the money for or not. Okay, uh, now Moshe says, um, but. Uh, now we're going to go back to the to the beginning of the shiva, right? How he get, how he get, how he gets to that place. Um, so Ramosha says there are um, contradictions in the in the sources, which we'll look at it with a little bit more detail later, as to whether when you're trying to prioritize staka, do we look at what the need is, or do we look at uh, who the people are? All right, we have places where we where we talk about uh, right whether we prioritize ksus or mizonos, right? So again, Babastra. And we have places where we say Kohen Kodem Levi Levi Kodem Israel. Um, so how do we resolve these contradictions? So Rav Moshe here comes up with something that I said in the in high school classes many years ago, um, and Baruch Shekivanti. I did not know Rav Moshe had said it. Uh, he says that there is a fundamental difference between really Halacha talks about private stuck and public stucca, and private stuck and public stucca are not the same halacha at all. And what he says is that public stucca. What matters is right. The first criteria is need, um, right? That's why the sugi of Aksusimizonos that's talking about public staka. but private staka, The only criteria that we have is right. First, you're supposed to give to your krovim first, your relatives, and other than that, we don't care. Um, other than that, we don't care about uh, about need at all. Meaning that um, that you don't have to have equivalent needs as long as as long as both parties. Are included in the category of those who are able to accept staka, you can um, give staka to whoever you prefer. And he frames this as that you have a right of tovas hana with regard to private staka, right? You can choose uh, right, who, uh, right, who will feel gratitude to you, but the public gabayim um, have no right to think about such uh, such self-interested matters. Um, so therefore, he argues that for a public staka, you couldn't necessarily do this, although I think that will have to be complicated as we think about policy issues and the extent to which public staka is entitled to take into account um, long-term needs in a different way. All right, it has to do a budget for them as opposed to making a choice. Um, but private staka, um, private staka, as long as it, somebody fits in the category of staka, and even if somebody fits in the category of somebody who will need staka, he talks about the case of uh, people who who, right, who currently meet the income threat the or the capital threshold um, that would not make them eligible for stucca, but they'll have to. It'll cost them money to get home. It's about the time to get home. They'll need stucca again, so you can give them stucca now, so that they can get home, as opposed to putting them in an infinite loop. 
Um, so there's a fundamental difference between private and public tzedakah. Private tzedakah, there's a threshold, and then there's really only, once you meet the threshold of needing tzedakah, there's really only one criteria, which is uh, relatives first, whereas public tzedakah is constantly evaluating uh, relative need. And here's how he gets to that distinction. Uh, what he says is he has what he thinks is a clear indication that um, for private, that Staka is based on, you know, all, all we care about is karov or discretion, with one exception, which is going to see is going to matter, that um, that we that the only distinction that matters really is, other than, than relatives, is Talmudia Chachamim have preference to Amahe'aris. Um, but he says, now the Ramos says, um, in Hilchot Staka, Simeration Nun Aleph, Ksus Talmud Chacham, in his list of distinctions, so Rav Moshe says, the implication that Ramah makes is that if there is a difference of need, um, so then it sounds from the Ramah that a difference of need trumps all personal distinctions, right? So a Kohen is Kohen to a Levi if their needs are equal. But if the Levi's need is greater, then you give the Levi before the Kohen. Uh, and he gets this because the Ramah says that's not true by an Amaris and a Talmud Chacham. By an Amaris and a Talmud Chacham, even if the Talmud Chacham just needs clothing and the Amaris um, needs to be uh, survived, right? It needs, and it needs to be kept alive, or the, uh, or the wife of a Talmud, Chacham, uh, Talmud Chacham needs clothing. So the clothing of a Talmud Chacham or the wife of a Talmud Chacham or Ishes Chaver uh, beats. The lahachios um, of of an of an amaris. So this is the question. My wife always you know, reacts in moral horror to this. How could we possibly suggest that clothing, the dignity of a talmud chacham or the wife of a talmud chacham, trumps the life of an amaris? So Ramosha gets to that question in the following way. He says, "Look, I just brought a raya. What's my raya? My raya is that we said that the ksus of a talmud chacham trumps the." Of, of an Amaris, therefore it must be that all for all other distinctions, um, what matter Mizonos beats Ksus no matter who is involved. But he says that works only if when we say that Ksus Talmud Chacham Kodem Lahachios Amaris, that Lahachios Amaris isn't Pikoach Nefesh, it just means a different kind of need. Uh, because if what we're saying is that a that a nexus um, of a talmud chacham beats actually saving the life of an amaretz, so then we would understand why that's not true of any of the others, right? It's not right. None, none of the others, uh, none of the other cases, could you prioritize clothing um, over life saving? But that wouldn't mean that you couldn't that you couldn't prioritize clothing over you know, over anything short of life saving. So his raya would fall apart, says Rav Moshe, if you understand this. Um, if you understand the um, to understand the Ramah as actually preferring the clothing and dignity of a Talmud Chacham over the life of an Amaretz. Now, why would you think that um, that you did? So he says there's a Shach that seems to suggest this. Because the Shach says that nowadays we don't have Talmud Chachamim for um, all sorts of uh, halachos, particularly the special halacha that you have to pay an enormous sum of money if you publicly embarrass a Talmud Chacham, we say that for our purposes, the Ramah says, that there is no Talmud Chacham nowadays. And the Shach says, and that's also true for this halacha of preferring the Ksus of a Talmud Chacham over an Amaris, because how could we possibly say nowadays 
that Talmud um, Chachamim who don't even merit those other uh, those other purposes uh, trump the pikuach nefesh of an amaret. So that sounds like um, the Shach really says that we're talking about preferring the clothing of a Talmud Chacham over the life of an Amaris. And if that's the case, says Ramosha, I have no proof at all uh, about other about the uh, the relative priority of need versus uh, versus personal distinctions in Staka. So Ramosha's response to that is, well, I know that's what the Shach sounds like, but he says, well, Pashut, but it's obvious that God forbid that we should interpret the shach that way. That because that idea, uh, meaning that we should understand the Shulchan Aruch um, literally as meaning that the Ksus of a Talmud Chacham uh, takes priority over actually saving the life of Amaretz, uh, that can't, right, that is completely beyond the pale. To Bikuach Nefesh, Afshal Amaretz, because Bikuach Nefesh, even that of an Amaretz, Shadoche Shabbos, the whole Mitzvah of the Torah, that push, right, you can Mechal Shabbos to save him, and any other Mitzvah of the Torah except, of course, the big three, Eklos Hidoche Mitzvah Hatstaka, Litank Sus Latamid Chacham, Bishul Bikuach Nefesh, Damaretz. How could you possibly say that it pushes aside Shabbos, but it doesn't push aside the Mitzvah of Staka uh, for an Amaretz? And therefore, he says it's obvious that what the Shach means is, Mizonos Shem Chay Nefesh, Yotr Tzoruch Luxus, the Shach uses the language Bikoch Nefesh, but he doesn't really mean Bikoch Nefesh. So this is an interesting Lonitan Le'amer Klal, because normally when Moshe says Lonitan Le'amer Klal, he just says, you can't say this. The whole point is you don't need to make an argument. Here he makes an argument. Right? He says that it's unreasonable to make the claim, and the argument you know, is an interesting way of framing it, right? that what we should, really we're saying is pushing aside the mitzvah of tzedakah, but that's not the way most people, you know, if you understand it literally, you, don't, you wouldn't understand it as, oh, the mitzvah of tzedakah to an Talmud Chacham is greater than Bikulach Nefesh. You would say the dignity of a Talmud Chacham. We're talking about ends, not means. So the argument is questionable. And I think that's why it's really important that Moshe says, Lunitan Lehamir Klau, he's right, and I think that he thinks this is so important to say that it's not even enough for him to say it's out of bounds. He has to provide a rationale, but if you disprove his rationale, I don't think that would change the result at all. Um, so now the question is, though, I want to look and see, right, is, um, is Rav Moshe's moral intuition here that this is out of bounds, is that unusual? So the answer, so far as I can tell, is that everyone who has commented on this agrees. I have not yet been able to find Chenacharon um, who holds that we really think that the Ksus of a Talmud Chacham or Chaver trumps the life of an Amaretz. Even in a theoretical time where there are Talmud Chachamim who meet the Shach's um, standards, the question is first asked by the Mare Panim on the Yerushalmi, so far as I can tell, um, because there are places in Yerushalmi which may be just as troubling, where the Yerushalmi seems to uh, give priorities um, for one person over another in terms of saving lives. And there's a whole machlok at whether the Yerushalmi also needs to be reinterpreted. But so far as I can tell, there is absolute consensus uh, with Rav Moshe that the claim that you would prioritize uh, any aspect of the life of a Talmud Chacham, um, the, the language that we use is ksus, right, which is clothing, which is dignity. The, the notion that we would in any way prioritize the, the right, that the any aspect of the life of a Talmud Chacham over the actual life of Namaretz is morally out of bounds. Lo nitan lehem